Welcome, everybody, to Juice Pro Wrestling, episode 66. God damn, we got a fucking great show for you today. Uh, we're on location today at uh, Threaten Sanctuary, an undisclosed location. I can't really tell you where that's at. Um, Big Ed the Assassin's back on the podcast. What's what up? What up, man? Route 66, episode 66, yeah, son. Route 666. Ed bringing those pearly whites. <laughs> yeah. And our very special guest, uh, a guy that I know Ed's been super excited to talk to as well as myself, uh, the manager of champions, the man who calls it right, right down, down the middle. Right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, not just a legend in ECW. But a uh, legend in pro wrestling in general, Bill Alfonso. EC Dub, EC Dub, EC Dub. <laughs> What's okay, happening, Bill? Daddy. All good, brother. Glad to be on Dude uh, Pro Wrestling with you guys, man. Yeah, we're glad to have you, man. So, Fonzie, just real quick uh, to kind of let people that may not be familiar with you um, out in the audience that are listening, I mean, you. You've had, like, when we talked on the phone before we recorded, in my opinion, I mean, you're probably the only ref and or manager I can think of that hit every major uh, company except minus, like, AEW or something nowadays. Kind of give the people an idea of just what you've been up to since, uh, since like, the ECW days real quick. Well, well when I got ECW finished up in 2000, I had been on the road probably about 25 years with, the, you know, all the companies and stuff, so I really didn't know what to do with myself. I started... And so it took me a year to unwind uh, from being on the road all those years. And uh, I've been just chilling and relaxing. I do uh, some conventions and I do some autograph signings and stuff like that, a few shows here and there. Just but enjoy my life on the Tampa Bay, Daddy. Fuck yeah, that sounds good. Now, and I like how you said uh, just it took you a year to transition from being on the road. How rough is maybe, that? Maybe, maybe, maybe more. Maybe more. Yeah. I mean, you you can never really get it out of your system, though, you know? No, absolutely not, man. Because, you know, brother, I was on the road. Uh, I had a full-time job from, 19, from 1978 to 2000 without any time off. Damn. The road is brutal. Ask any of the guys that had a full-time job or contract with this or WCW. And the traveling is just brutal. Now, speaking of 78, that's when you got your start, right? Yes, actually, yeah, it was. What was the first match you ever refed? Well, the first match I really got paid for was in uh, Lubbock, Texas. I was traveling for day here with a Cuban assassin. He worked some in uh, WTW and, and uh, Florida and Puerto Rico and, and Oregon. I went out there with him and uh, was trying to break in. Rocky Johnson. And King Curtis sent me out there. But they had all their own referees already. Dave Manning and uh, a few other ones in Texas. It was three territories. Uh, so my, my first match was Terry uh, Funk and oh. the Sheik, Sabu's uncle, yeah, in the a chain original. match. Yes, yes. It was crazy. Holy shit, man. That That's a part of history, man. Yeah, and it was at the tail end of the Sheik's career, too. He didn't have much longer after that. It would have been he had a few more years, but... It had already been wrestling for 30 or 40 years, you know? Yeah. So it was pretty cool. That's why Sabu and I got along so good, because when I first met Sabu, I said, hey, my first professional match that I paid for was your uncle, the Sheik and Terry Funk in a chain match. You know, he liked that. We got along perfectly every set. Fuck oh, yeah. That's badass. T- tell us a little bit about the road. Like, on an average year, how many days out of that year would you be on the road? Oh, my God. When I got a full-time job, a contract with 
Eddie Graham, Florida Championship Wrestling. Dusty was a booker. Thumb J.J. Dillon was an assistant booker. We worked seven days a week, almost 350 days a year. Hey, like Rick Flair said, uh, twice on Sunday. Absolutely, absolutely. It was just it was crazy. It's been a while to get used to, but, you know, but you get used to it for a few years, uh, in nature, but that's just traveling. Yeah. It's not including in the ring and, and you know, and all, and all that, being away from home. Crazy. Oh, yeah. But they, they paid you well, so it overcompensated for the brutalness of the road. Right. So, you know, at the end of the week, or by week, you know, I get a check to Turner, you know, after we get on the road two weeks, they say, man, that was hard. I'm going to give you a schedule in a few minutes. You say, damn, that's crazy. But uh, I got a big, fat check. I said, man, this is <laughs> nice. Where else am I going to make this kind of money? You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. have a part of the travel of the world. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pussy capital of the world, too, <laughs> when I hear. <laughs> hey, so let me ask you this, Bill. So about... How long after you got into the business where you were just like, man, th- this shit is for me. This is my life. You fell in love with it. Like, yeah, I know all the traveling, it's demanding and everything like that, but was it immediately? Did you have to, did you have to, uh, did it have to grow on you or what? No, I was in love with the business before I got a job. That's badass. What was your first exposure in, in the professional wrestling, like as a kid? Or? Well, but, well I, I didn't know I was living in the hotbed. Camp of Florida was, you know, Eddie Graham and all those uh, spectacular people. Just, you know, I didn't know wrestling was so big throughout the South period. And my dad was a friend of a, a sports editor. He wrote the, uh, for, his name was Frank Klein. He wrote uh, results of different things, baseball, wrestling, whatever, in the newspaper. And that's what my dad said, hey, Steve, I get comp tickets to wrestling. You got some kids at home. Here's some comp tickets. So my dad came home. With a couple of comp tickets, said, "Hey, I got wrestling tickets for you, Billy." And I said, "Wrestling? What side?" Didn't know anything about it. Never seen it on TV. I was about twelve or thirteen, so I was—I uh, I didn't really was so no interest. But I said, "Curiosity got me." I said, "Let me just go check this out." I went that Tuesday night in camp. There was Eddie Graham, uh, Harley Race, all these people, Fuck. and I fell in love with it that night. Hell yeah, man! That's a hell of a story. It was—it was crazy, yeah. And I wanted to wrestle, you know, I was young, so I said, man, I'll grow up to be a little bit bigger, but I, I couldn't make the weight class or you know, compete in wrestling, so the next best thing, I, you know, was a referee. So I met a lot of guys before I broke in and became friends, and they helped me get the business, such as Kate Curtis, Paul Jones from uh, Charlotte, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, and nice. uh, the Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson. Who was bigger, Rocky Johnson or Dwayne? Well, size wise. Size wise. fucking mega fucking star. Yeah, yeah. Rocky Johnson was a, a big star in his day, just pound for pound. No internet, no movies. Uh, star wrestling. He was a big star. Fonzie, I think he's uh, Ed's. What Ed's trying to ask you is uh, just mass body wise. Who who do you think had a better oh, body, uh, better build? Yeah, Rocky Johnson was. Uh, he was cut. Yeah, he had. Yeah, he was fucking. He had a big chest, man. Probably had big a big chest, old big arms. <laughs> it was he, he was probably up. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Fonzie. He was probably pulling in a lot of women too. Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, he traveled a lot. Rocky Johnson traveled a lot with his wife. Yeah, yeah, that's... And, and The Rock, and his name is Dewey. I remember him being seven or eight years old. I was already refereeing in the early eighties. In Florida, and Rocky Johnson was on the card in Orlando, mm-hmm. and Rocky, uh, the Rock, Rocky Johnson brought his wife, and uh, Dewey, which is the Rock, 
to the matches, and they stayed in the back, like, you know, in the parking lot. And uh, uh, fucking Billy was doing cartwheels in the back and flipping and shit, and he was a natural athlete. So it was kind of cool to, when I see him every once in a while, I remind him of that story. Hell yeah, that's awesome. You, would you say he's the biggest thing to ever hit professional wrestling? Or or to come out of, or to come out of professional wrestling, yeah. In his day, it was you know Ric Flair, Paul Hogan, yeah, Steve Austin, mm-hmm. The Rock. The Rock's pretty fucking big. He's made the most money. He's the biggest star ever. Yeah, you know what I mean. But before The Rock, it was Hulk Hogan. He was the biggest star. Yeah. Oh, for you know? sure. There's only a handful of them. What's your relationship like with the Hulkster? Can you tell us a little bit about him and? Uh, yeah, pretty him? cool. We're both from camp. We're both in Tampa. Right. Uh, we're both born on August 11th. He's a few years older than me. So we celebrate our birthday sometime together. Uh, he was pretty cool to me. I'll tell you a story of uh, how cool he was to me. you remember? Oh, I got to start off with uh, I got two car wrecks and 20 minutes with Jimmy Hart. Oh, oh shit. And that was on the way to do Thunder of Paradise. Uh, Hulk Hogan. TV series. Yeah, we were yeah. in the pilot at the uh, Dobson Star in St. Petersburg, Florida. And me and uh, Jimmy flew in together, and Giant uh, Gonzalez was flying in. That was Giant Gonzalez's personal assistant for three years. No so shit. No shit. We were together every day for 365 days a year for three years. Every day. Great guy. Had great fun, made a lot of money. What was he like? Seven and, uh, six, seven seven. He was uh, seven eight. Yeah. And they built they, they built him as eight foot. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And one of those pictures I text you. Oh, uh, that's one of those. That's in the B Hogan and Giants. Look at that picture. Say, man, yeah. what a giant. Yeah. So anyway, um, me and Jimmy Hart, we were flying from California back to Tampa International because it's the movies that take place in Tampa. The, the pilot. So me and Jimmy. And the, the giant was two, two or three hours. Me and Jimmy got in about 11 o'clock a.m. And the giant is also going to get in maybe by 2 o'clock. Going to pick him up, go to his office, start, check in, and start filming the movie the next day. So um, me and Jimmy get a rent a car, get a Cadillac, and we're going to go get a haircut and go have lunch. And then go pick up giant is at the airport. <laughs> so after the haircut, me and Jimmy were driving to go get some lunch. Some lady took a red light. And T-boned us. Oh no shit! About, two, about a mile from the airport. I mean, the car was so bad; it was crazy. And Jimmy Hart, oh my god, it was a pretty cool thing. But one way to pick up the giant, I can't be late to pick up Giant Gonzalez. Yeah. So I told the cop, I said, "Look, we're only a mile from the airport. I think I can drive in the car. I think I almost had a flat tire. If the hood was was broken, the door was bad, glass all over." I said, if I drive to the airport, turn in and get another rental car, then I got to, you know, go do the movie and shit. So the cop said, okay, if you think you can make it. So Jimmy said, for his driver, he said, well, I'm going to get in the back seat because I don't trust the driver. It was the other lady's fault, but he was driving me, right? So he comes to the back seat. We go about a half a mile. We had a red light. And I said, Jimmy, you're not going to believe this. And the horn rear-ended us, pushed us out to an intersection, and the fucking car Following us, it was crazy. So anyway, two records in twenty minutes. We totaled the Cadillac was total, but we're okay now. It's not us. That's good, That's man. Good. A- so, so we we go to the movie with Hogan. We're there for maybe two weeks or whatever it was. You know, two mm-hmm. weeks every day. Shooting with the pilot, and uh, like the last 
day of the shooting, Hulk Hogan's son gets in a bad Jesse accident. So Hogan says, Fonzie, I think I got an action, I got to go. Because uh, you all supposed to get a check to the movie people up that day. He said, uh, I'll see you at the airport tomorrow. We're both flying now. So he went to take care of his son. His son was okay. So Hogan sent me at the airport the next day, and he brought a check, and it was black. He said, how did you just fill out the check? Whatever you want for the few weeks you were here. Like, that was pretty generous, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's that, he's that kind of guy. He's a money guy. He's a super. Treated me like fucking gold. Fuck had yeah. a great time with him. You, you ever get a chance? And a big draw. Big draw. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever get a chance to go uh, go to the beach shop? Yeah. Sure. In Clearwater, yeah. Yep. That's uh, 30 minutes from my house. Yeah, we were... Uh, I go there once in a while, yeah. Yeah, we were out there, what, it was back in like, I think like 14 or 15. Remember yeah. when I brought you that Hogan shirt? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we were there. We ended up meeting. Uh, we ended up meeting Nick, his boy. And then uh, in the back, you heard some, you know he you heard something in the back, and he was saying something. You heard some mumbling. All of a sudden, you heard brother. I'm like, that's fucking Hogan, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so we seen him walking across the street. I'll tell you what, for even for his age, man, that guy is still in great shape. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he sure is. So it's clanging in the bank. All the big leg, leg, those big leg drops he drops. You know what I mean? I think he's had surgery on his hip. He got a new hip. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, new hip, a lot of back surgeries, too. I think he said he's actually shrank. He's lost some tailbone or some shit from <laughs> doing yeah. the leg drop. Hey, so so let me ask you this. I, I got to break into it. So, like, I'm a, <laughs> huge, right, I'm a huge ECW fan. Fuck Dude, yeah. I loved it back in the day. To me, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, I have not been this excited about wrestling uh, since ECW with the whole AEW emergence and stuff like that. I think it's I think what they're doing is is awesome. Um the the last pay per view that that we watched was just I mean it was awesome and it, it's just it's crazy because it, it's bringing up those old feelings again back you know back in our in our teens and shit like that you remember Juice we used oh, to get yeah. together all the time and, yeah, and yeah. watching watching oh the yeah CW. it's exciting they could anything new and plus they're good they got their they have so much talent there yeah and they're doing such an opposite from Vince so it's all good man. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of ECW. You know, we were like an underground, but they got so much money behind them. They're going to be successful. Oh, yeah, big time. And that was the thing I respected the hell about all you guys in ECW is there wasn't a shit ton of money, and, man, did you guys just perform your asses off. Right. We were making uh, maybe $22 million a year, but spending 27 And how much was Paul to, using you know, the... To get by. How much was Paul using, though, to fight off uh, lawsuits and all that shit? <laughs> a lot, a lot. Plus, yeah, his dad was a super lawyer, got, out of, yeah. got out, uh, a lot of stuff. Plus, he had some real good friends that were lawyers, so we yeah. were way out of a lot of stuff. But how do we use all that music, brother, and not pay for it? You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was crazy. You couldn't do that now. No. You put something on your on the Internet, and uh, you'll get a, uh, a text from Google and say, hey, you can't play that. <laughs> well, 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 shit. We did that with your uh, with. Yeah, the, uh, we played Pantera's "Walk" um, on that promo video right. we did for you. But here's the cool thing: I didn't get anything from uh, the U.S. It was like uh, this video has been silenced in Luxembourg, and I'm like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Alex Wright can't listen to it. <laughs> um, but I, it is weird. Like you're saying, I've had uh, I took video footage of Glenn Danzig at Riot Fest a couple years ago, and. Uh, I, j- I just posted it, and I said, hey, this is him, this is his band, this is the song he's playing. It was a great fucking time. And next thing you know, I'm getting hit up for copyright shit for a live video that right. I took. Like, 
fuck all that, you know? That's crazy. So, Bill. Yeah, well, yeah well, what I'm saying is we couldn't do that now like we did, you know, in 95. No. When the the ECW, the album, I remember when that dropped. It had Sandman on the cover, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Sandman with the Bob Wire and the Jazz King. Yeah. But what they they had... um. For uh, for Walk for Van Dam, they had what was it Kilgore or something like that was so, a band. Yeah, they were all covers. It wasn't like the actual bands, I believe. I think that was kind of maybe a loophole or whatever. Yeah. Hey, it's Bro, I don't know how that worked out, but they sold a lot of them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So the ACW, anything we did uh, that had once or twice sold really tremendous. All the T-shirts, the merchandise that kept us going a lot too. You know, we were doing save uh, a third of the. Revenue was from merchandise. Damn. Oh, shit, dude. I, I remember back in the day, dude, we had a bunch of ECW shirts and shit like yep. that. Dreamer, Van Damme, Sabu, Taz, Taz yeah. you know? So, ECF and W, yeah. all the Oh, fuck, yeah. yeah. That's like one of my... That's To me, the ECF and W shirt is, in my opinion, is equally as powerful as the NWO shirts. I mean, that's how much I fucking believed in ECW back in the day. Well, and look at all the the uh, parodies shirts that are out that everybody makes. Yep. You know, yep. whether it's other podcasts or, or wrestlers. I remember EC3 had one. You had the ECF and 3. You know, everybody's done that one. Yep, for sure. So, Fonzie. Yeah, pound for pound, ECW snuck in there and hit a home run and, and uh, and created a market that was a, like a black market, like an underground fucking wrestling type thing. And then we came a little more, you know, uh, uh, national once we got uh, different TVs. But yeah, we were big, man, pound for pound. You know, we couldn't compete with Vince, they're a billion dollar company, but man, they sure did love us. I'll yeah. tell you what, though, you were you guys were a needle in Vince's heart, though. You know, you may not have had the the firepower and all that stuff, but holy shit, man, you guys made an impact. You know, so Fonzie, tell yeah, me. And Vince loved us. Vince loved us. He was he was fucking talented. Vince floated uh, us a million dollars. When I say us, I mean you know the company, not wasn't my company, but I worked there. I feel like I was part of it. Right. Um, Vince gave us a million dollars to get by, so we wouldn't close up. We lasted another year. You know. Yeah. Vince loved us. Vince liked us. His son liked us a lot. Yeah. It Dang. just it just sucked what happened like after after like everything got bought out and everything. It just you know, everything kinda went a little bit downhill and everything. And I I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk that up to the whole um you know, WWE kinda getting out of the, the attitude era and, and more of like the you know, hey, we went public, now they got shareholders and you know, there's certain things that yeah. they have to uh that they have to do. But hey, hey, Fonzie. So, so tell me, yeah, tell me about the Beulah, the Beulah hardcore match back in '97, man. What was that? As good as it gets, isn't it? Wasn't that the pay per view, the show? Yeah, it was uh, some big show, but it's been on just four or five different DVDs. Uh, it was pretty cool. You had to be there to really feel it. But uh, we had the show. You know, she was with Tommy Dreamer, and of course, I was with Ben Dampsebu, and we've been working around each other for. Months and the people wanted to see us connect, me and Beulah, you know, do something. And uh, so finally it was made. And, and uh, I talked with Paul Heyman. I said, Paul, we're two non wrestlers. We can't go out there and, you know, do any wrestling stuff. You know what I mean? It was just this whole look right. So we can have like a street fight or, you know. So uh, that's what we did. And it turned out to be one of Paul Heyman's, well, you know, top paper matches. Yeah. And, uh, the blood was great. It worked out really good. What we did for seven minutes was uh, documented and still talked about. It was really cool. 
Oh, shit. We evolved and stuff like that. You had that crimson mask going like no other, Fonzie. Well, it was hard. I couldn't duplicate that. It was just the right. She could have hit me 50 times. That would have never happened again. You know what I mean? <laughs> was the the open, all juice stuff. Like juice for wrestling, that was all juice stuff. Yeah. It. <laughs> uh, and, and, it happened like, you know, like 30 seconds into the match. Thank God it only lasted seven minutes, but it was really cool. What, uh, what was it that actually got you that opened you up like that? That chin sheet stuff. Uh, somehow she got it from a fan. And somehow the fan, like, shaved one of the edges off. Oh. I don't know if we did it on purpose or not, but it wasn't, like, razor sharp, but it was, you know, kind of sharp when like you was dragging it on the cement or something. Mm-hmm. And that's what called me. That's what uh, busted me up. A lot of people think I got juice, but I did. <laughs> it, it was that. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. So, so there was that. Yeah. Was, it was from it was from that 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 pan. It wasn't, it wasn't even from Bladen or anything like that. Exactly. No shit, man. So yeah. I got to tell you, I'm anxious to hear some ECW stories. I mean, in in your opinion, what what are some of your favorite matches looking back that that uh, you were part of? Whether it was Taz, whether it was well, Sabu, or anything, or or Rob Van Dam. Tell me. But uh, uh, Taz and, and uh, Sabu had some classic matches. When- we did the switch, and they we're yeah. trying to get them together. They chased each other for months. Finally, they had the match. It was really good. They had to be there. It was our Hulk Hogan and, uh, you know what I mean, in the main event of Madison Square. But, you know. I remember when Taz broke, uh, what was it? He broke Sabu's fucking neck, isn't it? Yeah, that back suplex or something, yeah. Yeah, and then he came back. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll remember that. Uh, I forget what show it was at, but I just I remember Taz being there, and the lights fucking go off, and then. There's Sabu and the fucking yes. <laughs> dude, intense as shit. Pointing at the fucking ceiling. And, yeah, yeah. Dude, it was great. You know, I was only supposed to, uh, in 95, I had just left um, WWF. It was WWF, not WWE. Right. In 93, late 94. And uh, I had worked with Paul Heyman in Florida Championship Wrestling in the 80s. In the 90s, I worked with him at WCW. I've been friends with him for years, and uh, I didn't know anything about ECW, so I just finished up my contract, just left it, and was enjoying my first two, three months off. I said, okay, this is pretty cool, and I get a phone call, and it's Paul Heyman. Hey, Fonzie. Hey, Paul. I haven't talked to you in a while. He said, look, I got this company in Philly, ECW. Uh, Would you come up and do this little angle for four or six weeks, and then, you know, we're to do something, and you take off. I said, okay, sure. We were friends. So I came up as a fresh off of WWE, I mean, WWF TV on Monday nights. And they got you fucked up lot. with that E2, don't they? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so they wanted to bring me in to, to be anti-violent, coming there with a bow tie, real, you know. Uh, Calling uh, it down the middle, man. Orientated in the family entertainment and shit. And ECW is hardcore, brother. Yeah. Blood and guts. Just, Deathmatch, high paid deathmatch, all kind of shit. Yeah. So when I was stopping the violence, the people started hating me. So the thing was, I, I do that, and the 911 jokes slam me, and that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I go back home, and yeah. So, the, so it worked out so good that Paul Heyman wanted to keep me, and I was there five years. So I transitioned from the referee to Taz's boy, then to Van Dam. So I had a five year. Absolutely on top run. It's sensational. Fuck yeah. Who, now, 
be honest, shoot straight with me here for a second, Fonzie. Out of the three gentlemen that you managed, who was your favorite? I think Van Damme because he was just so so cool. It's it, it really hard. It's Sabu and all three of them had their own thing. Right. But Van Damme was so special with what he could do, and then Sabu was so talented and hardcore. He was just unbelievable stuff too. But uh, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to. Uh, Put a tag on your favorite, you know. Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. And and all three of them all are of so them fucking cool. different. But I, I, yes, but I enjoy working with Van Damme a lot. Oh yeah, I think uh, Van Damme's probably the one. I, out of all three of them, I think Sabu's probably the most underrated. Even though he, yeah, like, I would I would say that I would agree with that. I mean, the guy there. There's a lot of guys out there doing these high spots today that I know they were fucking watching Sabu when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just, he was a fucking innovator. And the same thing with RVD. I think out of all three of them, you know, with Taz's career, unfortunately, you know, getting cut short, RVD was the one that stood out. He's had, like, and Sabu's still going. I just watched them both in uh, Impact, and he, he looked fucking good. Yeah. But I think R- RVD's the one who's gotten the most longevity out of it and probably made the most impact. Uh, maybe uh, in the I would business. agree with that. But it sucks because I like to give Sabu that, too, because, like I said, I think he's super, probably one of the most underrated guys in all of the business, you know, for his contributions. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. What My thing with Sabu is he never got a multi-million dollar contract. Yeah, and that's you know? fucked up because look at his body. That, that's, that's, that's what pisses me off. But, you know, we, we make good money in ECW, but we didn't make the... You know, five hundred thousand dollars. Hey, so like, like they do WCW New York. You know? Yeah, yeah. But he's, he did make he made big money in Japan. He he did real well in Japan. Basically, his whole career was Japan. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Fonzie. So, like, go, going back to ECW, your top tier players, the ones that made the most money there. Like, I'm just curious, what what did a wrestler make back then? Like, like the Van Dams and like the or the Tazes or anything like that. Like, what? what well, I'll just tell you what. Pretty close to what I made. Mean. I made seventy five grand uh, a year and only worked Friday and Saturday. Had my flight paid for in my hotel. <laughs> God damn! That's not bad money. That's Fuck pretty no. decent money for a year and just working weekends. Friday and Saturday. Fly up Friday. Fly home Sunday. Yeah. Now back then, you guys were contracted, or were you actually employees of ECW? Uh, we were all contracted after a while. At first, we weren't, but you know, as much as we started doing pay per views and. TVs and all that, you had to sign, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, hey. The money got better, you know, uh, things were more serious, so, yeah, it was pretty cool. So, let's hear some old school stuff back from, like, say, the 80s and stuff like that with, I mean, you were you were around some big names, the Ric Flairs, the Andre the Giants, the Hoax Hogans. Like yes, how, I was. How, how uh, was it hanging out with those guys? That was my learning period in the business from, I'd say, 1980, when I got my absolute full-time job, uh, my first six, seven years working with guys like Dusty. These were my bosses. Eddie Graham, uh, Dusty, uh, Steve Kern, Wallow McDaniel, Dory Bug, uh, uh, J.J. Dillon. So I went through a lot of bookers. And a Bob Group was a booker. Uh, Michael Hayes was a booker. Oh, yeah, a few more, I'll believe, I'll believe it now. But those guys were great, man. Uh, it to be and it was Good at what I did, so I was really well liked by the wrestlers and by the office and stuff because I was really good at what I did for some reason. Well, I had a question, Stetton here. 
Um, I was doing a little research on your background when you first started as a ref, and one of the things that a lot of the people were saying about you was your talent with uh, what they would call difficult wrestlers, people with like attitudes and um, that were hard to kind of wrangle. And when you were uh, doing a match for them, and this was before the day of the communicators and uh, Bluetooth and uh, you know hearing where to go and what to do and timing and all that and signals in the in the audience uh, that somehow you were you were very good at keeping everybody in check in those the like like when you were mentioning the Sheik match one of your first big matches um they were saying that to, that, that that was just that would have been very difficult for for almost anybody else to referee uh how how was your attitude with that stuff how were you able to to why were you so well liked was how you approach I think I was in the right spot at the right time okay. I had the right amount of respect I had the right of the right amount of talent, had the right amount of charisma, and and uh, and being a mediator and being a, a guy that was you know going there and handle the whole dressing room sometimes, be <laughs> diplomatic. So the guys saw that and saw I was you know so all that being said, I think it just rubbed off and uh, and that was unusual. You know what I mean? Yeah. To be so, but I had all these great teachers. That didn't happen overnight. You know, after a few years, I I, I didn't soak it in. I'd be an idiot. You know, yeah. I, I would have got pushed away. But thank God I soaked it in. I love the business. I'm living my dream. Man, how lucky am I? You know, I didn't even know how good I was. You know, not uh, I'm saying I didn't know how well I fit in until years later. I said, man, I'm running, all, doing all this and well liked. So, Fonzie, cool you, me. Me, me and you were talking. Um, who would you say your biggest like influence like in the business? Like who would you learn the most from? I know you you felt really strong about uh, the American Dream, Dust the Roads. Would you say? Yeah, Dusty was my guy. I, I would say him to learn how uh, how to treat guys, how to know how to you know storytelling and business and you know uh, communicate. Is it such man? There was so much more to the business than what people see, you know. Oh yeah, it's great. I would say Dusty is my all-time mentor. He took me under his wing. But one time I said, you know, three, four years later, I said, Dusty, what you? My father. My father had passed away by this time. He said, I am your father, Fonzie, You're my boy. So I was with him, you know, worked with him for twenty years, you know, for Florida, TBS, uh, WCW. Atlantic, Japan, went to Japan one of the best times. Uh, worked with him in New York. He came to WCW and did some shows for us. I mean, ECW did a few shows for us. Speaking of Japan, Fonzie, what's uh, what's some stuff you can tell us about your experiences over there? You ever, uh, I'm sure, I mean, you were around back in the day. You got to work with Muda, didn't you? Yeah, they said Muda over. Now, Florida Championship Wrestling was owned by a couple people. Mostly, uh, uh, Eddie Van was a big stockholder. Hiro Matsuda, Japanese, yeah. was a big stockholder, Duke Yamoka. And Hiro Matsuda, the Japanese guy, he was tied up with Japan office, and he would be the American well, he, uh, American agent to send Japanese and American wrestlers back and forth. Yeah. He for, broke fucking uh, Hogan's leg, for, didn't he, training him? Yes, 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 he sure did. He sure did. A hell of a tough guy. So uh, they sent me over there uh, multiple times mm-hmm. to referee match between, like, a big... It was the first time WCW and Fujinami's uh, group ran a joint show at the Tokyo Dome. It was 70,000 people sold out. It was Fujinami uh, against Ric Flair. Yeah. 
They had me do the the uh, referees of Tyler Mads. It was pretty cool. Controversy finish, switch the belt, you know, a gimmick match. But it worked. They thought I'd be perfect for the match, and it was spectacular. I was honored for the match, and I did my job perfectly. They loved it, and they kept bringing me back for years. That's awesome. Hey, what's the biggest crowd you performed in front of? Probably the, you know, whatever WrestleMania was, was the Byrate and uh, Caesar's Palace. You know, that was, that's a small building, right. but there was still thousands plus the Byrate. Um, still good. Madison Square, all the big arenas. Yeah. You know, told you it over 65,000. Yeah, I'd say that's, that's probably I mean, I was going to say, that's, that's a, a lot of people, lot, man. Yeah. That is a ton of people. Yeah. Pretty cool. Now, what did they you prefer? You. Did you prefer those big events like that, or did you prefer like the like the smaller, more intimate shows? Like, what what did you prefer? Well, the two answers: prefer the big events because you get the big payday. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Some of the smaller events were cool. You didn't have to work as well. You always had to work hard, but I enjoyed working in front. Of, it's easier to work in front of a lot of people. Yeah, you know, for some reason I find that easy, but it's challenging to work in front of smaller crowds. But if you're just good, you know, it's it's case. This is what I did for a living, so I was good. Yeah, you know, it didn't matter if it was big or small. And nobody wants to work in front of a uh, a small house like a ten thousand seat is only three thousand people. That's not cool, but <laughs> yeah. that, that happens. They all can't be sellouts, steady. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Hey, so do you still have a good relationship with uh, with Paul? Or I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while, but yes, when I see him, we have a great relationship. We cross paths. We need anything, you know. Uh, yeah, I've had a great relationship with Paul Heyman from the eighties till you know today. I haven't talked to him in a minute, but yeah. I just heard he's uh, he's going to be working with Monday uh, Night Raw real heavily, you know. Yeah, he's uh he's like the executive now running raw. He yeah. only, he only yeah. answers the Vince. Yeah, that's awesome. You know what? And I think I I don't I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think they uh No. I, I think it's good. Yep, I think WWE needs a little bit of uh I mean, well shit, man, a kick in the ass for a lack of a better term, you know, because it's uh I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are kind of just getting getting a little bored with it, you know. I think it would probably aim to be great for Vince right now, especially in the transition of the other company popping up. Yeah. Step up there, any name. But nobody's going to touch Vince. Vince is locked in, but I think those two companies going to be okay, hopefully. Yeah. It, I think it, them guys here. Vince is so locked in with the toy people and the movie people. And, you know. Nobody can merchandise like Vince McMahon, you know. I'd say he's pretty damn good, you know. I think he's yeah. always been good. Uh, just ask uh, John Cena about that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at one point, they, if they weren't PG, they would have had John Cena dildos or something. <laughs> yeah. oh, crazy, right? Yeah, you, know? you know what? Vince has always been one to see uh, kind of, you know, ahead of the curve a little bit. I mean, you know, he got, you know, he's not a only- third generation promoter, isn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah, third generation. Yeah, because I believe his well, Vince Senior, and then Vince Senior's dad, I believe, was also like a boxing promoter or something like that. Or I'm 99 percent positive on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, he's always been able to see a, a kind of a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say an oracle, but a little bit of, been able to see in the future a little bit because he was able to, you know, kind of get his stars in into the movies and and you know now they've got you know obviously the network and they've got all those different um all those different like reality shows and stuff like that. So not only are you getting the, 
three hours of Raw or the two hours of SmackDown, but you're also getting everything else. Plus, you know, hey, imagine you got it on network. Exactly. Yeah, it on network. Yeah. Speaking of the network, Fonzie, is that irritating to you? And I, and I know a lot of wrestlers and talent uh, past, and even some president have been vocal about um, not giving like some kind of dividends. For you know, well, that, that'd be that'd be guys. When Vince bought all the rights, you know what I mean. It, mm-hmm. He couldn't uh, give a little dividends out. It wouldn't hurt him. But you still, uh, I'm on uh, those TVs a lot. You know, mm-hmm. for me, you know, uh, find me a lot on those uh, things from WCW to Florida to ECW. Oh yeah, and Vince's office. Uh, so it gets me relevant. And people say, "Oh, I just seen you." I'm the, the, the network, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. Um, something else I kind of... So, like, like, I would like to get a check from them, but, you know... Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Happens, right? happens. But like, I would not do this. A bunch of guys filed a lawsuit trying to sue Vince over that particular thing you said about the royalties and the dividend, and they called me. I said, fuck you. Vince is like fucking a king. Thank yeah. you, my man. Yeah. You never work again. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Fonzie ain't no fucking idiot. Um, right, I mean, you guys are fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's crazy. <laughs> this shit ain't funny, motherfucker. Dang, we made so much money. Vince paid us for all that shit already. Yeah, yeah, mean? no doubt. Yeah, um, he paid us handsomely. I also want to, uh, Fonzie. I'm going to take a trip back about nine years ago, uh, to 2010. Uh, we're not in ECW anymore. We're not in WWE anymore, um, or WWF, I should say. We're we're looking at 2010, a pay-per-view put together by Dixie Carter and Tommy Dreamer in TNA, the uh, Hardcore Justice, the original Hell Hardcore yeah. Justice. Which I remember. Oh, yeah, that was one, one of their higher-rated pay-per-views. I, I believe, and I could be wrong, to this day, I think it is like the highest-rated one because it was, I mean, it was at a time uh, you had the one night only, in 2006, which was awesome, and then it got watered down, and, you know, we all know what happened with that. In 2010, yeah. uh, you also, with TNA, you had a lot of uh, opportunity to see stars that you didn't get to see in one night only, especially, I mean, Van Dam. Van Dam couldn't wrestle right. the original one. He was hurt. Right. Um, and especially in Sabu, Van Dam versus Sabu. I mean, that was a classic. I loved Everything about it, the nostalgia feel of it, the, even the lighting had like kind of like the old ECW yeah. vibe. What was your opinion on that show? How were you approached about it, and what could you tell us about that? Well, it was pretty cut and dry. I mean, uh, Tommy Dreamer was working with Dixie Carter, and then somebody came up. I'm sure it was Tommy Dreamer, and maybe some old people came up with uh, the idea of you know doing the joint ECW show. And uh, everybody starts getting phone calls. And I was right behind that. Anytime I can get a payday, it'd be a national TV or if you get a pay-per-view, it's, it's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they, they put it together as a matter of, uh, you know, a month or two. And uh, it worked out great. Worked out great. I got to be in the main event, I think, with, with my two guys. It worked out really nice. Yeah, it was awesome. Whenever, whenever Van Dam and Sabu, whenever they fought each other, I loved it because you'd walk one down the aisle and then you'd <laughs> yeah. run all the way back and walk the other one. I fucking loved it, man. <laughs> I didn't know what to do because they left most of that up to us. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They said, "Hey, we're, this is the format, and you know, you guys fill in the blanks." So I said, "Fuck, what do I do?" You know, there's my two boys. So okay, kind of worked out okay. It was pretty cool. Yeah, the best is when fucking Van Dam would ask for the fucking chair, and then you wouldn't give it to him, and then Sabu would ask for the chair, then they get fucking pissed. <laughs> now, 
Now, it made sense to the ECW fans. Now, if, if you didn't know the three guys in the ring, it might have not made perfect sense, but to you guys, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you knew the characters and you knew the history, but I think it worked in general. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Hey, Fonzie, how about the Dudleys, man? Tell, tell us a little bit about those guys. Uh, I like the Dudley boys. Um, <laughs> that's Ed's well, favorite the, tag uh, team. <laughs> Bubba Ray, Bubba Ray. We were doing a show. I was at ECW for a while already, and I was playing his boy. You know, he brought me in. He's the owner of the company, yeah. and he's a friend of mine. Plus, I was Fonzie, you know, you know, already a fucking uh, established veteran. And uh, so... Uh, Bubba came to the dressing room and said, hey, my name is Bubba. Oh, my name is Mongo. I'm a wrestler. He's going to get a tryout. All that we tried about it. He was pretty fucking good, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, we gave him a shot. And then him and uh, Steve and I got together and became big superstars. Yeah. Would you say they were great guys? They were hell of a both of them. Who, who in your opinion, is uh, who's your favorite tag team ever? I, I'm a, mine's LOD. I, I'm a huge Road Warriors mark, so... I mean, I know they weren't the guy. Yeah, and, and, the road, and the Road Warriors Day, mm-hmm. fucking who was better? You know what I mean? The gimmick, it was the first big one, the, the big Bobby, the painted face, oh, you man. know, and all that shit. And they, they come out to Black Sabbath, Fonzie. Remember that shit? They come right. out to Iron Man. They, right. just, they look like these big, evil <laughs> motherfuckers from Chicago. They were going to fucking invade your dreams. Just ready to you know? beat everybody's ass. They were so <laughs> tough. And, and I love the Jim Ross thing. They are real big, real hard, real stiff. <laughs> exactly. Um, hey, listen. There's so many guys, guys in different eras that were equal to them, but in different times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Jack and Jerry Briscoe and their time, they were yeah. fucking fantastic. Right. You know, uh, the Road Warriors, fantastic. So many different uh, teams, man. Barry Wynn and Mike Rotundo, all yeah. kind of great teams. Ricky, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Jay Youngblood in oh, the yeah. 80s yep. in Charlotte, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to put it in context of the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's, it's similar to like uh, when, when you... there's a Road Warrior pop, though. There's, oh, and that's a real thing. You For know? sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, 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 it's almost like, you know, um, comparing different genres of basketball player or, or yeah. baseball player. Jordan and LeBron. Yeah. 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 I just... Exactly. My thing, though, with that was... Uh, I, what really drew me to the Road Warriors art and everything we just discussed was uh, the fact that they literally traveled everywhere. You know, they were NWA tag champs. They were AWA tag champs. NWA, yeah. WCW, WWF. Uh, I don't think I, – who was it? Texas, Texas. They, they, they were Japan. Precursor, they were precursor to the uh, uh, big companies. Yeah. You know, right, that was – they took off right before the big companies got big, right before all the pay-per-views and stuff. They were, you know, they were on their way. Yeah, and I think the only other tag team, I mean, and we're not sitting here talking about, like, your local Joe Schmo regional whatever promotion. Right. Um, I'm, I, like, I, I'm talking about promotions that actually mattered and shit. I think the Dudleys are the right. only one that three, uh, have surpassed them as far as, like, where they've won championships at. Well, the Dudleys were freaking big name there. Let me ask you this, uh, and this might be, I guess, a little controversial in uh, some people's eyes. All right. Uh, all right. This always bothered me when they would bring guys back, all right? In, like, say, the example, I can give you the Dudleys, I can give you Rob Van Dam, I can give you Rhino, 
Oh, and the list off. goes on and on and on. <laughs> I know where um, you're going. That's why it pisses me yeah, off, yeah. too. <laughs> but uh, about guys say they left or whatever under whatever <laughs> circumstances. Fuck, even Kurt Angle. Um, and they come back to Vince after how – if it's a couple years or ten years, and they just get the worst – they're there to put over – they're like jobbers. What's your opinion on some of the uh, maybe mishandling or misbooking of some of these guys? And that's uh, my point. I guess really that's my question. Do you think that's kind of like a, uh, like, hey, you fucking left? And, you know, maybe to some of those guys, the wrestlers, it may not matter because it's like you said, hey, paycheck's paycheck, especially when you get on that stage. But you would think like, uh, you know, a guy like RVD, when he came back uh a few years to WWE, I'm like, cool. Yes, he can put over talent, but he can still do a hell of a run. There's still life left in him and a, a story to tell. And maybe you throw a strap on him, maybe you don't, but I just I felt like every match I saw him in, he lost. And it was like, this is fucking Rob Van Dam. We're talking about the guy who beat John Cena yeah. at John, probably the height of John Cena's fucking popularity. And not only did he lose, he, lo- like he would lose to shitty talent, in yeah. my opinion. And a lot of these guys, the Dudleys. We're another one, you know, like, they would come in, I'm sitting there thinking, like, fuck, man, like, all this great talent, and they come back, and I get it, because they got families, they got to do it, they don't, they probably don't even give a shit, you know, it's probably just uh, marks or whatever, but, like, for that character and stuff, I mean, was is that irritating to you to kind of watch and see some of, like, your buds and stuff, kind of, I'd hate to say the term getting buried, but. Yeah, we all look at things different, and I would have done things different a little bit, yeah, it, it. You know, it's the nature of the business, I guess. You right. know, so I'll guarantee you, Van Dam was being compensated very well. You know, Van Dam's always making great money, and he knows how to demand money. So, yeah. Um, well, the Dudleys. When are you the get first... to that point, you got you gliding, and you're making some payday, big payday. You know, it's okay to get beat. Yeah, it, it paid off for the Dudleys too. I mean, they're the first ever, I believe, uh, like true ECW original members inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yep. Yes, yes. And just remember this, dude. like, if you bring Van Damme back and, and you job him out a little bit, you could always turn him back on the next fucking week. Right. Make him a, but see, that's you know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't really see much of that. And I, I agree totally with what you're saying. I just, when I saw Van Damme come back, it was just like, there was that hot second where he popped, and yeah, he might have got a win over a then- I don't know, Kofi Kingston or somebody, you know, back then, which wasn't yeah. necessarily a big deal. But then the rest of the time, it was just like booking them into the fucking dirt. Yeah, yep. Which yeah. I'm sure, right. you know, yeah. RBD. You're right, yeah, that's, that's about, that did bother me a lot. Not only in Red Dam, but, you know, we've seen it over and over. I'm sure RVD was probably like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. How, Light up another one. How's uh, uh how's Van Dam been? You talk you talked to Van Dam or Sabu? Yeah, I talked to Van Dam, you know, a lot, and I talked to Sabu, I just talked to Sabu last month. They both live in Vegas. Oh, nice. Yeah, RBD. I mean, he went through that divorce. He's with uh, what's her name? Katie Forbes. Big booty Katie yeah. Forbes. God damn. He got man. a big ass. Yes, he sure he's, does. I, he liked <laughs> my tweet. Uh, it was funny because he uh, he posted a tweet the other day, and he's been genuine to lie that's the one thing i will say about rob is i've always heard he's a very nice and genuine dude um yeah someone he's was, real people he's real yeah, people for sure someone was asking about his divorce and he's like hey man he's like no love lost here he's like i got divorced like a, a couple years ago it's finally just been finalized like 
I'm living my best life now or like doing something. And it shows him in the hot tub with Katie Forbes and a bunch of other like big titty, big booty bitches like shaking their shit. And Van Damme's just sitting in the jacuzzi like, yeah. Yeah, poor Van Damme. Oh, I know. Like, and she's just shaking that ass, man. And I'm sitting I tweeted and I was like, RVD 420 hashtag, like living his best life. And he liked that shit. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You know he's yeah, nice. Yeah, he deserves it, man. You know, I, that that sucks. That was a rough story to hear about, too, how he, you know, took care of a sick wife, and then she kind of, I don't know what happened there. I'm not going to pretend like I know, but from outsider looking in, it was like uh, she ended up getting better or something, and the next thing you know, like it wasn't good enough that the dude took time off of his career on top of the world. Yeah, you know how things are in marriage. You know, yeah. sometimes they last. Yeah. Uh, the rest of us have a, a terrible history of, marriage but oh, you know yeah. some guys make it through yeah you know what i uh i was t- i was a teenager my dad surprised me and got me front row tickets to ecw when we were talking about this yeah, Fonzie, the other day Go yeah ahead. when ecw came through gary indiana at the genesis center man like i could was there. Yeah. yeah yeah i could not believe that ecw was coming to gary indiana i mean i lost my shit and everything but that's when um van damme uh, had to cancel because he was taking care of his, because his wife got sick at yeah. the time, you know, and and I was, I mean, I was super. The accident too. That might have been the problem. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it was. Um. And I'll tell you what, man. That, that Gary. The thing I loved about ECW, it didn't matter if if that talent was wrestling in front of ten people, a thousand people, yeah. or you know whatever. You know, it. I mean, it was the same badass raw event like they were getting like they were getting paid yeah it was like they were getting paid millions of dollars that's how hard they went and i I mean that shit just isn't around anymore unusual workplace unusual work ethic with all the different young talent trying to you gotta remember there was no big superstars there was a lot of guys that broke into ecw that hadn't been nowhere uh, Sandman? Who the fuck was Sandman? Tommy Dreamer? <laughs> yep. Yeah. All these yeah. guys. Who the fuck were they? The Paul Heyman made all these guys stars in ECW, yes, so did. they were dedicated, you know. Uh, it was pretty cool circumstances for me to work for. I really enjoyed it. And then Gary Amen, if I don't recall, it wasn't a big show. Like, there wasn't thousands of people. It was a small building, a small show, you yeah. know what I mean? But still, the guys go out there and bust their ass. Yeah. Hey Fonzie, so uh, having such a badass career like you've had, if if you can go back in time and you can put together like the ultimate match, who would you put up against? Who would you put up against each other, and what kind of a match would it be? Okay, we'll come back to that, and uh, maybe at the next thing because I I was asked that same question. I did a podcast or something for um, Turnbuckle Trash Talk Radio or something like that. Not too long Fucking ago, trash. and we they asked me the same question, and we uh, put a card up. It was like a WrestleMania card, and I designed all the matches and stuff. I, uh, you know, it, it, it was pretty good. It was cage matches and a woman's match, all kind of things. So I have to see if I can find that, and pull it up, and, and tell you guys the answer because it was pretty good. It was a pretty good uh, card. You guys would have loved it. Oh hell yeah! Share, share with cool, us. Super school, ECW guys. It was pretty cool. Fuck yeah. Well, hey, Fonzie, uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. Where could people find you at, man? I do. Uh, I got a pretty cool Instagram uh, I like doing. And, I, of course, uh, uh, Facebook. 
you know, uh, Bill Fonzie Alfonso. They're on both um, Facebook and Instagram, Bill Fonzie Alfonso, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm enjoying doing that. I got uh, my niece working with me. She's uh, just graduated from uh, a big tech school, and she's a media friendly and stuff. And she's uh, I'm enjoying doing talking with everybody and and uh, meeting new people and stuff. A lot of wrestling fans out there. I was surprised. Oh yeah. Um, uh, well, Van Damme's got a million people following him, you know. So, yeah, he does. Uh, I'm not even close to that, but it's been awful. It's been pretty cool for me to do that. Yeah, you take your and time. And it keeps me keeps me relevant, you know. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I mean, well, you've always been relevant in our eyes, dude. I, like I said, I was, I was. Oh, super, thanks, Daddy. No problem, man. I was super stoked, like when you replied back, because you could have fucking picked anybody, but you picked the juice. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like to get wet with us, and that's fucking all good, man. I had a great fucking time. And but I just want to let people know, too, I know you're not very active on it, but uh, Fonzie is also on Twitter, too, if you use the handle at Alfonso Bill. I, mean, I know you don't use it that much, Fonzie, but I had to throw it yeah, out. Yeah, I don't use it that much, but, you know, uh, I got an account, but I but like the A, a, a follow is a follow. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd Super. like to thank you for coming on, man. Um, I we, we barely scratched the surface, I think, in this episode, so... We're gonna have to have you back again, and uh, yeah, absolutely. We we didn't talk about the alligators. We didn't talk about uh, Barry Windham getting shot. We didn't talk about Piper shooting an alligator. We didn't talk about all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah. airplane crashes, almost uh, guys. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah, yeah. yeah, this is awesome, man. You should put out a book, Fonzie. Yeah, I've right. been approached a few times, and I'm working on it. Call it. You should call it hardcore memoirs. Something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up with a good name. We'll Hell come yeah. up with a good name. But I like that. Hell yeah! All right. Well, I'd like to thank the legendary Bill Alfonso for coming on Juice Pro Wrestling episode sixty-six. Who and calls it right hey, down a, the I'm middle? A legend, I'm a legend in my own mind, Daddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I like to fucking hear. <laughs> and there's one more thing we gotta do before we close out. We gotta when I'm, I'm up, up, when I'm up, when I'm up. When I'm up. You gonna do sex to me? <laughs> <laughs>